Welcome to another episode of the Everything College Basketball Podcast, your home for the latest news and analysis from the world of college hoops. Back again are your hosts, Josh Burton, Phil Dexter, and Peyton Burton. What is up, you guys? Welcome to another edition of the Everything College Basketball Podcast, episode 121. I'm, of course, your host, Josh Burton, and joining me yet again today, my brother, one of my best friends in the world, and basketball savant himself, Mr. Peyton Burton. Buddy, we What's finally up? made it to week one of college basketball. I'll tell you what, I'm so happy we're back in college basketball, but I hate this damn snow so damn much. It's too cold. It's November. Why do we have snow in November? It's ridiculous. So, but well, either way, we've had, mean, some, we've had some crazy things happen this week, so I'm just fine college basketball's back. Well, you know... It is November, and it kind of goes along with, you know, college basketball snow, right? I mean, and for those who don't know what he's talking about, obviously, we live in Indiana. Um, and yesterday morning, we woke up, you know, on Thursday, it was, pff, what, mid-60s? And then we wake up yesterday morning with it being 30 degrees and snow on the ground, and I love it, man. I was able to go to our nephew's ball games. Uh, he played some tournament basketball and snow on the ground it just feels right for college basketball yeah like i said i mean i don't really care because like i said i'm staying inside most of the days anyway just watching all these games so i mean it doesn't really matter to me but i like i like this type of weather uh, when it gets cold because you know it's college basketball season and uh you know we've had a lot we had some upsets this week we had some buzz beaters that almost made me cry um and we got we get to preview the champions classic so this week so i'm excited it's gonna be a good show and i'm ready no absolutely and peyton as always we're blessed to be sponsored this year by our title sponsor beauty to beast nutrition located in downtown edinburgh indiana it's a healthy juice bar the, the owner natasha tremendous people to be in business with if you're watching along on the youtube you can see the banner right now and peyton what's that special deal that natasha and beauty to beast is hooking up for the ecb listeners this year well, if you go to Beauty and the Beast Nutrition located in Edwin, Indiana, and you tell them that ECB sent you, or just use our code ECB, you will get 10, 10% off on your purchase. So go do that. The entire purchase. One drink, five drinks, ten drinks. Tell them ECB sent you, get 10% off. We can't thank Beauty to Beast Nutrition enough for being the title sponsor this year. Peyton, today is a big show. We finally get a recap actual college basketball action this week and we've got a couple big guests coming on one that we will bring on here in just a minute once we finish up but leading into that Peyton one other bit of piece of news tell them about the seat geek and house of college hoops code that they need to be using well you need to be going to seatgeek.com and use the code NCA hoops digest for 10 percent or 20 percent off in your purchase 20 dollars 20 dollars y'all thank you i can barely see my screen i'm using my tv <laughs> for a second monitor here and this tv's huge it's an old tv so bear with me here but 20 dollars off go use that code it's the best code out there seatgeek's one of the best uh online vendors to get your tickets whatever it is whether it's concert college basketball football go do that and get you 20 dollars off nca hoops digest for 20 dollars off yeah and it's off your first purchase and we've mentioned it the last couple of weeks sign up you know, you and a buddy's going, one time you do the code, sign up for an account, $20 off. It basically protects you on, it takes off on the service fees because we know the service fees can be outrageous. It'll save you so you can get your ticket at the flat rate that it says online. 
And then another time have another buddy do it and just keep using the code MCA Hoops Digest for $20 off your first purchase each time. Peyton, with that being said, we got our first guest coming on today. Um, we're joined now by the co-founder and creator of the House Enterprise brand that which ECB is now a part of. We are now joined on episode 121 to talk about everything that happened in week one. Our friend and yours, Mr. Will Tondo. Will, how are you doing, my friend? Gentlemen, what's going on? Happy to uh, be on the show. It's been a pleasure listening the past couple of weeks and excited to have you guys part of the network and let's talk some college hoops. Dude, we couldn't, I mean, we've got so much good feedback and just in our personal lives, um, like, oh man, you know, people are checking articles out because we have the best team of writers covering college basketball, covering football and everything under the sun. I mean, I'm like personal friends of mine are like, man, I love the website. I'm so happy you guys are there. So it's our pleasure. I mean, I know we're doing big business with college basketball, and I can't wait, man. I can't wait to see how this thing develops throughout the rest of the year. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited to get this thing rolling. Um, so I, when we made the announcement that we joined House of College Chips, I was excited. And uh, year five is going to be big for us. It's going to be big for everybody involved with House Enterprise and House of College Chips. I'll tell you what, I've watched so many damn games this week, I feel like I have a college basketball hangover. Will, do you feel the same? Oh, will you with us? Looks like he might have froze. He might have that fill internet. <laughs> He's got that <laughs> North Carolina internet. Um, yeah. Hopefully we can get Will back figured out here. Um, but no, I mean, I'm with you, Peyton. Um, not that it's a hangover, but man, I, we were texting our private group the other night, and I said, I guarantee you at the bare minimum 20 games this week. Bare Bits minimum. and pieces. I mean, I've watched a handful of the game from cover to cover, you know, from tip to tip. But – tuning in here to this one for 10 minutes, tuning in that one for 10 minutes. Oh, this one's an almost an upset. Let me tune into that. So much action in college basketball this week that, I mean, it, it's been fun, dude. Like we, we've talked for six months about it. And so why in the hell wouldn't we watch everything possible? It looks like we might have Will back here. Let me see if I can get him back in. There you go. Will you back? Yeah. Sorry about that. I have some, uh, thunderstorms and rain in new york right now so i guess the wi-fi kicks me off but sorry to interrupt and let's get things going no it's all good man um we were actually before you came on talking about we had snow in indiana yesterday have you guys yeah. dealt with the snow yet no snow yet it was let's see these 75 degrees yesterday and now 50 and raining today so all over the place mm -hmm. well that's how we were talking about like last week from like monday through thursday it was like mid low 60s and we wake up yesterday and it's 30 degrees and snow on the ground i'm like indiana can't make their mind up hell no hell no it's crazy man um we're i know you had those internet issues uh peyton joked that you had the phil internet issues uh <laughs> eastman <laughs> always cut out in north carolina but um you know just we were talking about how many games obviously being excited about college basketball being back this week and i feel like on the minimum side, I've watched probably 20, 30 games minimum already this week. Do you feel like you've been able to check out a bunch of different games? Because we're going to talk about the Providence game. I know you're there night one, um, but do you feel like you've got a wide buffet of games this week already? Yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely it's it's such a crazy time of the year as well with football, college football, basketball just started, hockey's in full swing. The, uh, World Series just ended that it was like 
whole influx of, you know, the sports equinox, but definitely got myself uh, watching a decent amount of games, especially being in the industry that we're in. And obviously my favorite game was Gonzaga, Michigan State on Friday. I mean, the Armed Forces Classic, previously the Carrier Classic, just was such a cool atmosphere to see. Would have loved to be there in person, but uh, got to, uh, you know, go to the Providence game, like you mentioned, and, you know, watch a, a wide variety of slate and we're on to week two. Um, let's start off with the Providence game because you were there firsthand. You had boots on the ground. Um, obviously Providence coming off of a historic year last year, their first big East regular season crown. They make the sweet 16 gave Kansas a game, but we knew the roster turnover. We knew some of the key guys are gone and come some of the transfers, uh, Noah Locke, Bryce Hopkins. Uh, it's, it's a new crew basically for Ed Cooley's team. And, it was funny to watch a lot of the other national media be like when Ryder was winning this game, most of the game, like, oh, my God, I can't believe Ryder's good. But in our magazine, in the the Metro Conference, we had Ryder second behind Manhattan before the Manhattan implosion. So we kind of knew Ryder would be good. But did they surprise you with how good they were? Or do you think it was a one-off and Providence didn't really play that great? It's a combination of both. I mean, Ryder comes from such a – they were a veteran team, right? You know, I believe they, they returned a uh, majority, if not all of their starters from last year. Four uh, or the five. same team that, yeah, the same team that made some waves last year as well. So they're an old core and coach Ed Cooley said it best. That rider team kind of reminded a lot of people of Providence last year, that core older group of, you know, these guys have some chemistry. They have some years under their belt. You know, they're going to be a good team. Should Providence have played better? Absolutely. But it's the first game, you know, new team. The chemistry still needs to be gelled out. I don't think it's an issue that Providence had problems so early on. If this was January and we're talking conference play, then it's a different story. And we always say, man, to pull an upset, you have to do something special. And Ryder goes 9 of 14 from three, shot 64%. I mean, that's almost double the, the acceptable average norm of right around 35% for a team. Uh, they were blistering the nets. Dwight Murray with 18 points, Allen Powell 15, Mervyn James. I mean, that trio was outstanding in that ballgame. And then when Providence finally did make their run, um, the former Kentucky player, Bryce Hopkins, leads the way with 18 points. Being in person, because I know as a Kentucky fan last year watching Bryce, didn't play a whole lot. Maybe got three or four minutes a game. But he did. we seen the one game last year against LSU where he literally saved Kentucky from a loss in Reparanda to LSU. Second half, he was outstanding. I think he ended up with like 21 points. And that was the Bryce Hopkins everybody knew coming out of high school that, okay, this is why this kid was a four borderline five-star kid. What did you see out of Bryce in a new environment, new team, new style of play, which probably fits his play better, um, for him to kind of take over this Providence team and lead the comeback? It's definitely going to take some time for him because, like Coach Cooley said, you know, this is a new environment for him, not only in the team aspect, but putting in, you know, 25, 30, 35 minutes a game because it's like he went from not playing a ton at Kentucky to now, you know, this starting role where people are expecting a lot because of that pedigree and because of that name tie. So, you know, I think he will be a hell of a player this season for the team. I think he's going to lead the Friars to do some incredible stuff, but it will take some time. The reason Providence struggled so much in this game, they could not hit free throws for the life of them. 
they, I mean, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think it was like 20 for 47. 20, 26 for 43. Yeah. That like, and at one point when we were sitting there watching it, it I shit you not, it felt like they hit three of 20. Like yeah. it was, it, it, it felt like every time they're at the line, missing one, missing two, nothing connecting. You hit any of those, you hit, you know, more than half of those at that point, you win the game by 10. Yep. It should not have been that close. I don't know. Go ahead, Peyton. I don't know if he's like this in person. I must have just completely forgot because Bryce Hopkins, he originally committed to Louisville, and I'm a Louisville fan. And he decommitted from us and went to Kentucky. Fucking asshole. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I guess I just completely forgot. This dude is massive. Is he that big in person? He's a big boy. Oh, yeah. I mean, when we were looking, because one thing that Providence struggled with was the dominance in the paint that they used to have with uh, Nate Watson last year. He definitely, his loss on this team is going to show, you know, come Big East play when you have to play guys like Adam Sonogo on UConn and a a large Creighton team because Ed Croswell is playing at the five, but he does not play as a five. So, you know, adding a guy like Bryce, you know, it provides some size to the depth, but, you know, he's not a, you know, a three and D. I mean, he's not a, a a class crash the glass type of guy like Nate Watson. So um, it'll be interesting to see what Providence does to uh, fix the mismatch. So when um, so I didn't mean to cut you off, Peyton, but we all see, it, especially last year, that magical run that Providence had. It comes through the TV with the student section, how loud the building is. Um, although it's under a new name now, the AMP, which eh, whatever. <laughs> um, you're there firsthand. Can you describe the atmosphere that that building radiates? And two-part question. Last year, we seen Providence, according to Ken Palm, was the luckiest team in the nation. It seems like they're picking that back up this year. Absolutely. I mean, you know, unbiasedly, uh, we're, you know, Jake and I are both Bryant alumni, but we have, you know, a good fandom and good respect towards Providence because it's like that's the city we live in. One of the, you know, OG teams that we covered in creating this site. And, you know, we were were close with uh, Coach Cooley. We've talked to him multiple times. But the student section at Providence is far to none the best in the nation. Not even exaggerating. It's like they are a rowdy bunch. They get the crowd going. You know, they were down 10 and they were still excited against a rider team on opening night. The, I believe, I forgot who said it in the press conference. It was either, you know, Coach Cooley or Ed Crowswell, but, you know, the, the fans gave them five or 10 points that game, without a doubt. Without the fan noise, you know, they're running in a lull and, you know, they're going on a skid. But the, the, the Providence student section is one of the best in the nation. Yeah, and like I mentioned, it comes through on the TV, and um, th- that's one of the buildings. I didn't think, you know, if you'd asked me five years ago, I have a list of places I want to go and experience. Cameron Indoor, um, the Dean Dome. I'd love to go to Poly Pavilion for the the history, um, Allen Fieldhouse, et cetera, et cetera. But now in the last couple of years, now that Providence is good and building this, um, I think I'm going to go to the Amp, man. Um, by the way, what do you think of the name change? They go from the dunk to the amp. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, old school Rhode Islanders still call it the Civic Center, which was the name before the Dunkin' Donuts Center. So um, I think change is good. And Amica Mutual Pavilion is, you know, Amica Mutual Insurance is uh, one of the top companies in Rhode Island, and they paid a, paid a pretty penny for it. So 
um, let's get amped. You know, you got to roll with the punches <laughs> and adapt to the change. So I, I don't mind it. Obviously, I'll still call it the dunk subconsciously, but, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Hey, you dunk, anything up? Go ahead. Yeah, the dunk sounds way better uh, than the new name change. But talking about this game, you mentioned about the fans and how they pretty much gave Providence 10 or 15 points there, um, especially this year. I mean, it's the first – last year we had somewhat of a normal year coming off the COVID relief. But there's still a lot of cancellation of games and stuff like that. This year, it finally seems we're back to normal, uh, which is great. And home court advantage, just like it was last year, it's going to be a big uh, component this season. Um, home court teams is probably going to have the advantage uh, tremendously heading into big-time games. And uh, Providence, I was very surprised how poorly Jared Bynum played this game. He played... Hold on, let me find. He played 31 minutes. He had five points, six rebounds, five assists, one and nine from the field, 0 for four from the three-point line, um, three or four from the free throw line. He had a turnover as well. He did not play his best, and you, I would not think that coming into this year because he's a senior. He's one of the most experienced team or experienced players on this squad. He was a big component for them last year and why they won uh, the Big East and why they made a run uh, to can against Kansas in the tournament. But were you surprised? on his play in game one yes and no i mean like obviously there's some lofty expectations for jared bynum the reigning you know biggie six man six sixth man of the year um so you know it's a new role for him he's got to serve as that starting role he's got to serve as that starting one he's got to be the facilitator he's got to create the shots and also score as well um i think with this providence team Give it a couple weeks, give it a couple more games under the belt, let them gel together, let them start building that chemistry, and then, you know, they can uh, start surprising people with how lucky they get and the talent they have. I mean, again, we'd love to see Jared Bynum come out and, and, and dish, you know, 12 assists and also score 20 points in due time, in due time. Well, I think that's a perfect kind of lead-in, too, because, I mean, it is. We talk about it all the time. You don't want to overreact. Sometimes there is things that's more alarming that you don't want to overreact, which brings me to another Big East team. By the way, shout-out to our, our friends and cohorts at the House uh, College Hoops Enterprise um, Road to the Garden because we're going to stay in the Big East here. Villanova, you know, I had them last week. I, I had them beating LaSalle when we talked about previews, but I had them on a game against LaSalle in the Big Five Philadelphia rivalry that that could be tricky. They handle business. But I didn't expect the Temple game, especially when Temple loses game one embarrassingly. But you got to take into fact the rivalry games. The other night, we seen Villanova go to Temple and take the L. Um, final score in that one was Temple 68-64. That what should have been 66-64. Um, crowd rushes the floor. They had to put time back on. It, it was a whole ordeal. The crowd ended up rushing the floor twice. But when we look at Villanova, one and one now through two games, missing Cam Whitmore, um, which is a massive piece that they're out with. Not fully healthy. Um, Kyle Neptune talked about it all preseason that he's barely had enough guys to have eight scholarship dudes in practice. So what are we feeling about Villanova through two games? And is it that apparent that they desperately need Cam Whitmore back healthy and ready to play for them to challenge at the top of the Big East like normal? Yeah, I was trying to find the tweet that um, our guy Tommy Godin from Road to the Garden said about this rivalry, but I can't pull it up. Um, again, Villanova is one of those teams, you know, they have – it's a new identity. It's the, it's the Kyle Neptune era. They have some players that, you know, we mentioned, you know, in our in our preseason coverage where, you know, 
when they get healthy, this is obviously the team to beat. You know, nationally, within the conference, this is the team to beat. Uh, they have that pedigree. They have that swagger to them that it's Villanova against the world. In these early games, obviously, you'd love to be perfect going into the season. Obviously, you would love to, you know, have a full team with full chemistry similar with similarly with Providence. That's just not the case right now. I don't think it's anything to worry with Villanova. You know, if they fall out of the stand, out of the top 25 this week because they lost to Temple, they'll be back in two weeks in my eyes. I personally think they shouldn't fall out of the top 25 because, for one, and I was mind-blown uh, looking at Twitter after this game and watching the Field of 68, their after-talk show, talking about how potentially this could affect Villanova in the rest of the season. Like, I'm going to break it down in, like, four different ways here. One, like Josh said, it's a rivalry game on the road. Two, Villanova does not have two of their best players. Justin Moore is out in this game. Ken Whitmore was out in this game. They didn't have them. Three, it's November 11th, two games in, and we're already giving them the axe saying that they're potentially not going to do well in the Big East and it's potentially could ruin this season. Fuck out of here. They lost by four points. This Villanova team's still going to be good, and they're still going to be dangerous. Look what they did against LaSalle. Caleb Daniels had a great game in that one. He had a good game here as well. He had 19 points. Once Cam Wentworth gets healthy, once Justin Moore comes back, and let's not forget, Colin Neptune, this is, he's two games in. Give this dude time, and he'll get this team rolling. No, I, com- I, I completely agree. That's why I do not like these overreactions. Every once in a while, it is warranted, but I hate these overreactions. So early. Like, it's yeah, so it, early. It, it's, it's way too early. We're two games in, and like Peyton mentioned, it's a rivalry game. But I do want to highlight two things here. Villanova under Jay Wright, we know, we've known them for – Essentially, small ball most of the time. They can go five out. They can spread you. They'll cut you. They hit threes. They're explosive on offense and play very good defense. Um, Giving up six, eight points is not bad. I mean, you'll take that just about every night. But the thing about it, they only took seven threes, only hit two of them. Um, They were desperately trying to attack the rim. And I want to see them more in the vein of the old school Villanova spread you out. I think they've got to have at least – 13 to 15 three-point attempts per night to keep defenses honest because they're not the biggest team. I mean, they're not small, but 6'4", 6'4", 6'8", 6'5", 6'8", is their starting lineup. I mean, you're going play teams that are a hell of a lot bigger. Like, for instance, you get in the tournament, you play a Duke-Kentucky. Those teams are much bigger than you. You're going to have to spread them out. Um, so two of seven from three, not very Villanova-like. And on the flip side, we keep talking about Villanova. You got to give credit to Damian Dunn, uh, 22 points tremendous in this game hit all the free throws down the stretch that temple needed um i I thought he was probably the best player on the floor in this ball game absolutely and again like it's so early to over exaggerate with villanova but in the coming weeks you know these are the games that they're going to have to come out and dominate michigan state iowa state oklahoma um and then you know a couple more in between and then we're right off into big east play I'll tell you what, though, to end the game, you mentioned, Josh, the, they went back to back court rushes. I've never seen that before. Um, Crazy. What, a, what an asshole move by Kellen Neptune. Calling the timeout with like 0.3 I, seconds when you're down you four. Like I it. loved it. Hell yeah, I, I loved it. Oh, okay. I, was I love the pettiness. I did I too. I mean, the, game, the game's over with, and he called it with what, 0.9? Yeah, no, nah, just make y'all wait. You've already rushed yeah. for one. Just make y'all wait. Y'all stay on the baseline. Just be patient here. <laughs> he called that other time. I don't know if, Will, if you were able to see the ending of that game, but um, 
the, Temple wins the game 66-64. And Calls the time crowd, out before. Yeah. yeah, the crowd rushes the floor, and then they make them get back off. Temple has shoot free throws. And then the game's over with, and then Neptune calls the timeout as like a big <laughs> FU. I'm like, that's great. I, I love, love it. Let's go. I love it, man. Hell yeah. I love it. You I know mean, what else rushing, I, again, it's a rivalry, so I guess the rushing the court's warranted. But second game of the season, rushing the court's like those are the those are the victories you're going to celebrate, and not you know Temple not making a tournament or not doing anything well in their conference. I don't know. I get that, but to be fair, Temple hasn't beat Villanova since 2012. It's been over a decade. So I mean. And that's it probably going to be their is. highlight of the year. Um, something else I did love, though, uh, Will, you kind of mentioned it a little bit ago. Um, the big game of the week, and let's be honest, week one had a bunch of stinkers. Like, we got to change the scheduling. Uh, teams have got to play each other, especially with the net rankings being the kind of the be-all, end-all. They, they, the committee has shown that it doesn't matter if you win or lose those games. They will reward you for playing tough games. But I'll save that tangent for later. But the big one of the week one slate was Friday night. Um, Gonzaga beats Michigan State 64-63 on board the USS Abraham Lincoln out in San Diego, California. We've seen the aircraft carrier games before. As If you're watching us live on YouTube, Peyton has the highlights pulled up here alongside us. But um, we've seen the aircraft carrier games before where they're not very good shooting. It's a lot of dribble drives, a lot of paint attack. And we've seen that again in this one. But it was entertaining because I think we undervalued and probably stupidly so because it's Tom Izzo. But I think we all undervalued Michigan State because I think in most people's um, Big Ten preseason polls, we had them anywhere from six to ten. And I think that they showed that they're they're going to be good enough to battle, um, probably not win the conference, but they're going to be good enough to battle. They're always going to play a tough slate of games. Will, your initial reactions on this game, because Michigan State had it in the palm of their hands and kind of let it slip the last four or five minutes. Yeah, I mean, first off, having the Carrier Classic, now the Armed Forces Classic back is awesome. Um, I thought the 11-point spread for Gonzaga was too high. Um, it's a, you know, a, a central a central location for two teams, so, you know, no home court favorite. It's also, it's also outdoors. And in the pre in the pregame, you saw some wins. So I thought 11 points was too high. But hats off for Tom Izzo and Michigan State for even scheduling this game first week of the season. I mean, their schedule is not easy whatsoever. We already talked about how they have to take on um, Villanova in a couple weeks. But then the rest of their schedule is not pretty either. Pulling it up right now. Well, we they got Kentucky on Tuesday. Kentucky, Alabama, Notre Dame, um, it's just, you know, good for – they're getting their reps in now. So I was impressed with Michigan State. They had four starters score double digits. They kept it close. They kept it in their palm of the hands. They're going to be a good team. On the flip side with Gonzaga, it was the Drew Timmy show. It was yep. the Drew Timmy show, and, you know, they're, they're going to be a good team. Gonzaga also has a tough schedule ahead where they're getting their mental reps in. They're going to need some some help from supporting cast members to – uh you know, ensure they have a final four run because I don't think Drew Timmy can do it all by himself. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because we talked about it preseason. Um, a guy like Julian Strother, we thought increased minutes, increased role, that he would have to be that kind of guy next to Timmy. 13 points, didn't play terrible. He ended up with nine rebounds. Um, didn't play terrible, but I think we're expecting so much more of a guy like that that's got the ability to defend you on the one in the floor make plays happen on the other, especially hit shots. Um, 
So I think he's got to be better. But I'm looking at that Gonzaga backcourt because Gonzaga has been so good. Yes, in part to Timmy and guys like Chet Holmgren. But the last couple of years, they've been so good because of their backcourt. Um, this year, Nolan Hickman, 10 points, wasn't great. Rasir Bolton, seven points. Man, this dude came in last season from Iowa State as a scorer. Not really getting it out of him. Uh, Malachi Smith, only five points coming in from Chattanooga. Hunter Salas didn't score at all. Former five-star kid. Um, I I'm looking at Gonzaga's backcourt, and I'm starting to have some real concerns here because their schedule's not easy either. And like you mentioned, Timmy can't do it all for this Gonzaga team. So I'm looking at the backcourt from Gonzaga has to step up and help spread this thing out. Absolutely. So, I mean, the, the test will tell in the coming weeks because Gonzaga's schedule, you know, now pulling up them real quick. They, they always do this though. Gonzaga front loads their schedule because, you know, their conference play is nothing, nothing to write home about, but you have Texas on Wednesday, Kentucky later on in the month, uh, Baylor in December. Alabama in the middle of December. And then we start going to conference play. So it's like they front load that schedule this is the test that will, uh, you know, share, shed some light onto what this Gonzaga team will look like in the coming weeks and months. Absolutely. I think on the Michigan State side, um, Drew Timmy was MVP of the game, but I think the other best player on the floor was Matty Sizoko, the 6'9 yes. junior for Michigan State. 14 points, nine rebounds, one block. But if you watched him defensively, especially early on, he ended up fouling out the game. But in that first half, he neutralized Timmy real well. Um, Timmy had a hard time getting going in part to Matty Sizoko's strength and athleticism and length, making it hard for him. He couldn't get his drop step. He couldn't get the little baby hook going because Sizoko did such a good job. And he ran, he, he did the rim run that you see from like North Carolina, where as soon as they clear the defensive glass, he's busting down the floor, looking for a lob or post position. I thought Matty Sizoko was tremendous this game. Well, he held him to like eight or six, six or eight points in the first half, Drew Timmy. He got most of his points in the second half once he finally started going. And they started to tie, uh, get Cisco and foul trouble. And then he fouled out. But yeah, he did as well as a job you can do on Drew Timmy. Like, Drew Timmy, as much as I don't necessarily like him, he just wins. And he's like nearly unguardable because what you going to do? You're going to play one-on-one -on, -one on him down in the post? Guess what? He has great footwork. He has a great hook shot. He's going to score on you. You're going to double-team him? Guess what? He's a great passer. He'll kick it out to a seal Bolton or Julian Strada for a three. Like, what? He runs the four pretty well as, as a, you know, not great uh, forward or whatever. But, yeah, I mean, how can you guard him? What are you going to do? You going to triple-team him? Good what? luck with that. What well, you're going to have to have, we've seen it. We're going to have to have somebody with strength, size that can bother him and don't let him bully you. Once you yeah. make him push out beyond the block, if you can push him out to 10, 15 feet out, he's not going to shoot jump shots. That's how you take him out of the game. Um, the last thing on this, Will, um, the end possession, because I think it has become in the last 10 years of college basketball, we've seen some terrible final possessions of ball games. This one was no exception. Michigan State has a chance to win it at the end, and they over-dribbled, didn't get up a great look. Why do you think in the college game here lately that we've seen so many terrible final possessions where guys end up over-dribbling or wasting too much of the shot clock? I mean, at the end of the day, we do have to realize they're kids, right? You know, and it's silly enough because we're also so young, but they don't have the full experience, especially in this college game where, you know, there's not many opportunities anymore that you have guys staying for more than, you know, 
two, three seasons, right? Um, it's so early on in the season. The mental reps is something that needs to get figured out come tournament time. But it, it all comes down to, you know, preparation beforehand and understanding, you know, know the situation, know, know what's going on and, you know, no need to over dribble. You got to like stay calm and collected in the, at the, uh, you know, at the end. And I'm just watching the highlight right now. It's like, you know, make the shot or at least make a better attempt of the shot. You know, you were unbalanced. You weren't, you weren't set, ready to go. And, you know, the results showed. Well, I, I mean, I know you got to be getting out of here, which we appreciate the time. Um, one last thing here. Um, anything from week one, again, not the greatest slates of games, but anything from week one, a team, a player, a coach, any storyline that kind of stood out to you, um, individual performances, just kind of your overview of what we saw from week one. Um, I guess I'll do a shameless plug for some more content on the house enterprise site, but we have our Rhode Island hoops player of the week. Um, so obviously the four teams in Rhode Island, you got Bryant, Providence, Brown and Rhode Island itself. Uh, so I got to give a shout out to Sharif Gross Bullock, the guard out of Bryant, um, in two games, he averaged about 25 points, five rebounds, four assists. Um, absolute game changer adding him. He was a former six man of the year for the A-10 for LaSalle uh, two seasons ago, mid-year transfer last year. And, uh, you know, just starting out with Bryant now, and he's offering a great complimentary piece to Charles Pride um, to help fill in that scoring that Peter Kiss left. So Rhode Island Hoops Player of the Week goes to uh, SGB out of Bryant. By the way, did you guys have to do that team dirty? I forget who it was in game one where you beat them by like 200 points. Did you have to do them that dirty? (laughs) <laughs> I mean, again, it's tough with the scheduling and that's just a national thing as well. You know, a team like Bryant, which, you know, by unbiased, unbiased opinion, even though we're alumni, it's like they are going to make some waves this year. You know, they're going to challenge Vermont in the American East. And last year, you know, proved that they're a team that can come in and, and knock some doors down and really upset some people. And people don't want to play Bryant this year because they know that they should win it because it's against Bryant but they're going to lose it because it's against Bryant. This team is filled with talent from top to bottom. You know, you have Earl Timberlake, who is a former top 100 prospect out of, um, you know, who played for Memphis and Miami. You got Doug Eddard, the Derby darling from St. Yeah, Charles Pride comes back, who is, you know, part of the leading backcourt of the nation with Peter Kiss last year. And then you have complimentary pieces like, you know, uh, Sharif Gross Bullock and Kavon Kramer. It's like, this is a deep, deep team that's going to make some noises and I want to put my you know chips on the table when they go play Syracuse in a couple of weeks at the at the uh, carrier dome Brian's going to win they almost upset oh, them two years ago. oh shit they almost upset him two years ago during the COVID game and then freaking Boheim was complaining oh we don't have enough time in practice we shouldn't have even played this game because of COVID no you shouldn't have played this game because Brian's a legit team I don't care what the spread is, what the money line is. I'm taking Bryant two weeks in Syracuse. Buddy, I'll tell you what, I Josh. love that. Go ahead, is, Peyton. Is that, uh, you know, a sort of like a bank on it, you would say? You, hey, you read my mind. So, Will, we've been doing this since day one. This podcast has been around five years. We have a segment at the end of every show where we have a bank on it. It's basically a bold prediction looking ahead to the week um, for a game, a player, whatever. And, man, that sounds like your bank on it coming that up is- in the future. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I've been waiting for this game the second they released the schedule. Um, I'm not a big Bohan fan. I think Syracuse is overrated. Their times are past. Um, you know, I respected them with Mello, and they won that little, 
you know, rinky dink chip a few years, uh, more than a few years ago. But I think it's time that Brian's going to uh, make some waves in the country and then uh, upset him this this year. Dude, I didn't expect to get such a great promo there, but I think that's where we got to leave off. Will, um, again, guys, everybody, all right, he's the co-founder of our network now over at the House College Troops, House Enterprises. You can find it at house-enterprise.com. You'll find House College Troops and everything. Will, where can they find you on Twitter and all that real quick? I'm just at W Tondo across the board. Uh, no, wish I could stay longer, guys. I'm back home for the weekend celebrating some birthdays for the family. So, uh, you know, out of place right now from the home office. But thank you guys for, you know, the continued support in the House Enterprise Network. We're happy to have you guys on and let's have a hell of a season. So appreciate Absolutely. the time and uh, enjoy the rest of the show. Absolutely. That was our guest right there, Mr. Will Tondo. Will, thank you for jumping on. That was tremendous. I didn't expect such a freaking, uh, I didn't know he had Syracuse heat. Damn, bro. I tell you what, we're going to have to set him up at Conrad because Conrad's from that area, and he's a Syrac- he grew up a Syracuse fan. So we'll have to set those two up, have him go to the poem about us. Hey, shit. We, we know Brian's good. Uh, we oh, yeah, Doug We know about him from last year. Earl Timber. I mean, imagine the program building. If you'd have said a couple years ago that they're going to get a former five-star kid in Earl Timber like to transfer in, I thought you're crazy. But now it's realistic because they've built such a, a – every year they're in contention to make the tournament and win a game. And I think that's a accreditation to the program, the staff, everybody. Because Brian, I'm with him. Brian's legit, man. Um, Could you imagine if they had Peter Kiss for another year? Oh my God! He led the nation to scoring with like almost 27. Oh my God! But you know what? Incredible. Like he said, I think they're in for a good season again, and I think they're probably going. I think they're going to win the American East. I think that, yeah, we haven't predicted to win the American East. So they just have too much coming back or coming in. And big fan of Doug Adair, we he went off in that tournament. He made his name uh, heard in that tournament against Kentucky, Purdue, Murray State um, last year in the tournament. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to be paying attention to that Bryant-Syracuse game, though. We'll see yeah, how. I'm- we'll see if we make if Bayon will make him eat, that, eat those words. If so, we'll have to have him on back to, you know, just talk about it. Absolutely. Um Payton, we're waiting on another special guest that's a voice familiar to you guys, uh, former co-host for many years. Tyler Cook will be joining us to preview um, Champions Classic this upcoming week in Indianapolis. Peyton, a couple other things wrapping up week one action. Um, I know it's not easy for you, but let's talk about your cards, man. I don't want to. I'd rather not. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather not, but since you insist, I might as well. Well, I mean, it's one of the bigger storylines this week, considering the games were so shit. Yeah, I mean, it is. Uh, we tipped off week one or game one against Bellarmine. Um, it was a tough game. You know, Louisville started off the game very well. We was up 9-3. Uh, we hit three threes uh, pretty much back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. Started off the game as good as you can possibly ask. And um, Bellarmine, I mean... Look at this I movement mean, by Bellarmine. If you're watching live on YouTube, we got the highlights pulled up. And look at this. They, Be- I mean, they, they, don't, they don't dribble the ball. It's a team who don't dribble who just slice and dices defenses up. And our defense was just lazy. Uh, we didn't rotate well. They just catch it, especially on those back cuts they would get us with. Just incredible. We wouldn't rotate. Our bigs were not good. Sidney Curry, I don't know what's up with him, man. I hope he can figure it out because against White State, he didn't really have the best of the game either. Played a little bit better, but not quite. He had no field goals in this game. He didn't take a shot. And last year, second half of the season, there's an argument p- to be made that him and Amanda Bacot was the two best uh, bigs last season in the ACC. And just this year, he just did not take a shot, and Bellarmine caught what, this up. 
we're watching the highlights. I mean, it's just beautiful. It's beautiful basketball from Scotty Davenport's ball club. And again, on Sidney Curry, especially in a game like this, he's got to dominate. He's got to dominate in a game like this. Peyton, you mentioned it. Um, You got to feel good for Scott. By the way, I mean, all fairs in love and war. Um, I don't think you can be too mad about Bellarmine trolling you, can you? Uh, Dude, that shit hurt. I mean, I'm not mad about it, but when seeing them throw the L's down, especially last year, we... And saying our city. Oh, my God. Well, fucking last year, you kept trolling me about it. I was like, oh, you're not even the best team in your own city. Well, now I definitely can't say that because they beat us game one. Um, Garrett Timpton, though, for... Let me talk oh. about him real quick. Garrett Tipton from Bellarmine. Um, I was talking about on the podcast, I was talking about a lot about Kurt Hoff because he was their best. He was their leading, returning scorer coming from back from last year. But the show was dominated by Garrett Tipton. This kid was out here looking like Luka Doncic. He was hitting some ridiculous shots that you would see Luka Doncic hit in the NBA for the Mavericks. I mean, some fadeaways, step-back threes, is just... We couldn't guard him in that second half. That mid-range was as money as it can get. And he tore us up. He had a career high of 23 points. Um, he had a couple big shots there late, defended pretty well. Uh, he had 21 points, three rebounds, and um, he just played lights out. Career high for him, so he played well. Yeah, and uh, you got to feel – I mean, full disclosure, Kentucky plays this team in Rep Arena in a couple weeks. And, Good luck. Um, I mean, I'm a little nervous about it. I think we'll win and eventually win pretty handily, but you got to be on your toes for this game. And Bellarmine's scheduled. They don't fuck around. Fuck They've that. got UCLA. They've got Duke. They've got Kentucky. Like, they, they, played, they played games last year. I mean, they played Gonzaga, UCLA, all those teams as well. But Scotty Davenport seems not scared because why in the hell should they? And they should be tournament eligible. I don't That's, give a shit. Yeah. It, I'm, I, I would say this much. If they were eligible to be in the tournament this year, I think they win their conference. And could you imagine them as like your 13 or 14 seed? Oh, that has upset wanna, written all over it. 100%. The way they cut, they move. Um, the offense is just as good as it gets without dribbling. It's just they would dice a team up. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how they play out. They deserve to be tournament eligible. They should have been tournament eligible last season when they won their damn conference tournament. Um, General Withers, I gotta give him his flowers because he played, he was the best player on the floor for Louisville. Um, I don't know how his exact style line with me right now, but, uh, he had a hell of a game. He was our best three-point shooter. He had, like, three or four threes. Mike James was very good as well. Who? Um, Mike James? Who? Mike James. There's only gonna be a certain people that get that, but. Yeah. I'll tell you what, Mike James had such a good game. He's a, last year he was a freshman, but we had to redshirt him due to injury. So this was actually his debut. Uh, he had 16 points, and that pits him, I think, fourth uh, on uh, um, the Louisville freshman first game list. Uh, he's behind guys like Jay Smith, Marquise Maven, um, Darius Perry. So some legends for Louisville basketball that he's behind. So well, he Peyton, well. it got worse. I mean, real quick, because we got to move on. Uh, it got worse for your boys too, because after that loss, you, you took another L. You're you're 0-2 for the first time since, what, 1930, 40, something like that? It's been a long no, time since you've been. No, uh, 1999. Oh, 99, that's right, that's right. First time, yeah, okay, you're right. 99, I mean, we're talking 23 years, first time you guys have been 0-2. And I did see a stat, Denny Crum, his first season in charge of Louisville, they started was, 0-2 as well. Yeah. Um. So, it's a struggle for KP, man. Um, He'll you get got, I thought you guys, real quick, I thought you guys looked better against Wright State. I thought you were more engaged defensively the little bit I did get to watch. 
but you ultimately you couldn't put enough stops and buckets together that you need. Our offense was good enough to win this ball game. Yeah. Offense played a lot better. Uh, second half, we got up to a 10-point lead. We was up 50 to 40. And a couple times, we'd go on a run, and we'd be up by five or six points. And we should have won that game. I mean, it comes down to it. They hit a buzzer beater. Trey Calvin coming into this year. He's a senior. He averaged 15 points per game last year for Wright State. I knew he was going to be a problem. We pretty much shut him out the first half. Second half, he started to get the mid-range jumper going. He started to get some momentum and get some confidence. And he's the one who hit that game winner. You can't play better defense than what Louisville did on. And we had Mike James right there and Brandon uh, Huntley Hatfield on him. Two guys on him. He just hit a tough shot. And let me, before we move on to any other games or what we're going to do, let me just talk about this real quick. Cause this, I had to stay off Twitter. I had to. I completely turned off social media. I didn't look on my phone. Uh, I watched the UFC pay-per-view and texted you. And that's the only time I was really on my phone last night. Because I knew the backlash that KP was going to get. The people, Louisville fans are pissing me off. We're two games in. We lost both games by one point. We lost to two teams that's going to be top half of the, in their respective conferences. And now I'm seeing guys or Louisville fans out there calling for Coach uh, KP's head already. We're two games in. We lost both games by one point. Both of these teams are probably going to finish top half in the conferences. It's not like we got fucking blown out here. No, and I don't think you should call for his head, but it's definitely concerning. Um, 0-2, and it's not going to get any easier. Um, no. Um, last thing, real quick on Louisville, because our next guest is in the lobby waiting on us. Um, do you guys win 10 games this year? And I mean that. Yes. Yes. Okay. 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 I'd I, I, I have to check our schedule, and I'm not going to look at it right now because I know we got to move on. But I think 100%, like me and Wayne talked about it last night. He was a, he's been on the show before. He did our original uh, ECB intro um, that we had that was badass. And he was on one of he was one of our first few guests that we had. Might have been the first guest, if I remember correctly. Yeah, he was. Um, He's a big-time Louisville fan. He was at this game. I think he was at both games. And, uh, well, I mean, we talked about it. Like, Louisville's going to be decent. We're going to get some wins. KP's already in game one. From game one to game two, he's already starting to figure out our offense, and he's starting to make a coaching adjustment. Just give this man time. I think 10 games is doable. Definitely not making the tournament, though. Well, with that being said, um, our next guest, Mr. Our voice familiar to you, Mr. Tyler Cook, will be on here in just a second. But we got a few things to take care of in the meantime while we wait on Tyler here. Um, let's hear a word from our good friend and uh, from our sister site, Mr. Conrad Cushman of Everything Pro Wrestling. Peyton, hit the ad. What's going on, everybody? This is Conrad here from Everything Pro Wrestling, here to let you know that Everything Pro Wrestling is a show by the fans, for the fans. Every Monday, we are live at 6.05 Eastern Standard Time with Clash of the Podcast, where you can listen to myself and my tag team partner, Sean Hubbard of Hubbard Wrestling Weekly, talk all the latest and greatest in pro wrestling. You might even find an old school topic or two as well mixed in. And every Wednesday, we go live on YouTube once again with AEW Dynamite post-show coverage. So at 10.05, head on over to the Everything Pro Wrestling channel and talk what we just saw on Dynamite with us. And did I mention that we are on all available audio platforms like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many more. Thank you so much for listening to me, and let's get back to everything college basketball. And that's from Conrad. We got one more, and then we'll get right to Cook. It's from our friend Will. You just heard him on the podcast. Let's listen to Mr. Will Tondo here. What's going on, everybody? This is Will Tondo, the co-founder of House Enterprise. 
and I'm happy to announce that the Everything College Basketball podcast is now part of the House of College Hoops Network. We're really excited to bring you some premier college basketball content this season, so check out the website www.house-enterprise.com for all of our content creators, all of our college hoop stuff, and we're excited to get this season rolling. And there you have it. We're grateful. We mentioned in the top of the show, um, our title sponsor this year, Beauty to Beast Nutrition. Um, we just had Will on for a tremendous segment. We didn't know he had so much Syracuse heat, which is great. Um, and then you hear from our friends over at Everything Pro Wrestling. Um, it, it takes a team effort to build everybody up, so we're grateful for that. But joining episode 121, back like he never left before. It's our former co-host, lifelong best friend, and Kansas Jayhawk, Mr. Tyler Cooks on the show with us. Tyler, what is up, my buddy? My buddy, what up, fellas? Oh, my man. <laughs> Just, uh, <laughs> I actually used that promo code on uh, the Seat Geek thing from the House of Hoops to get my ticket for the class or the Champions Classic coming up Tuesday. So, got you some support going on there. Hell yeah, yes, man! And, and, and you know what? We mentioned it. It basically saves on the um, the service fees because I'm sure your service fees are probably like sixteen, seventeen dollars, and that basically took that off, right? It was well. There was there were some other things on there from the seller, but yeah, it took off a good chunk. So it helped out with everything on there. Yeah. Where's your seats at? You're going to be in a good spot. I'm over one of the uh, entry tunnels. So I don't know what tunnel I'm over. It's going to be Kansas's or Duke's or, you know, Michigan state or Kentucky in the first game, but either way I'm in the house. I don't care. Well, yeah, that's all that matters. Hey, I like that in the house. Um, credit to the house college troops there, I'll but, um, you, I'll tell you what, Josh. go ahead, Peyton. Well, Real quick, uh, I don't know if my timing's correct, but I'm pretty sure the last time I spoke to Tyler or even seen Tyler in person was when Kansas won the national championship game, and I went to his house, and he had a bottle of Jack Daniels waiting. <laughs> I think that's the last time I fucking talked to him. Yeah. Seen him. So it's oh, monumental. Yeah. Well, it's, oh, wow. since Kansas won, since won the title, he grew his hair out too. So. Oh, it's been, it's been in process then. This has been since last Christmas. Yeah. Totally different yeah, you person. got that locks of love going on right there. I like it, man. I wish I could grow mine out like that. Look at it. But wow. Tyler, um, the obviously you mentioned the Champions Classic, always a big deal uh, for the premier college basketball programs. Hook it up every year. This year, it just so happens to be in Indianapolis. That night, we will be in Peyton and I will be in Purdue live covering the Purdue Marquette game. While you Ooh. will be in Indianapolis for this coverage. Um, let's start with game one of the night, the seven o'clock game. You got Michigan State playing number four, Kentucky. Um, Michigan State, we've seen them battle. We talked about it. Battle on Gonzaga looked better than what we thought originally. Um, and then Gonzaga, I mean, I'm sorry, not Gonzaga, but um, Kentucky dominant through two games without Oscar. Savir comes back the other night, 11 points, 11 assists, six rebounds. Um, Kentucky has two great shooters on the floor right now with Antonio Reeves, CJ Frederick. So overview without giving your official prediction just yet, what are you looking for from this game? What do you expect from this game between Michigan state and Kentucky? I just, uh, expect it to be closer than what people think. I mean, obviously Sparty just showed what they did against Gonzaga to go down to the wire against, uh, the Zags there. They're a defensive-minded team, like always. Just Izzo's always putting them in a position to win. They've got, what, four top 25 challenges in their first seven games. So they're always getting prepared for March and November. 
So this will be a good test for them. I think it's going to be a lot closer than what people expect just due to the, the rankings of teams. But uh, they're, they're going to come in there. They're going to show some. You're going to show out a little bit more than what people expect. I, I'm with you, especially what we've seen against Gonzaga. Um, I think, obviously, they want to slow this game down while Kentucky wants to get out and run. I, I think the big question is, does Oscar play? He's been out. I think the rumors and kind of speculation that he will be back for this game – but it does make a big difference because if he's in there, Michigan State, as big as they are, they're going to have a hard time rebounding the ball because that dude rebounds on like almost a few people I've ever seen do. Um, you don't want to put the Rodman comparisons, but there's only a few people that ever rebounds the way Oscar attacks the boards. So I think the defensive and off the, the rebounding battle is going to be huge. I know you always harp on that. I think style of play is going to be a big one. Who gets the tempo that they want? Um, so I'll ask both of you, what, again, what are we expecting from this game? Do you think Michigan State can slow this down, keep Kentucky a half-court team, or do you think the Cats have too much in shooting this year that can spread this out, especially if Oscar plays? I don't know if it's a question if Oscar plays, because I think he is going to play. Um, I haven't heard too much about it, but the way the guys at Fiddle 68 was talking about, like he's going to play, it seems like. So it's not even the question about that. It's really a question like if he's healthy or not. Because Michigan State, it doesn't matter how good their front court is or if they got the power on the front court to beat him up. I mean, they're going to be physical with him no matter what. It's just the way Tom Izzo teams are. Their front court's going to beat him up. They're going to be physical, and they're going to try to take him out of the game like they tried to do to Drew Timmy. I like that what they did do to Drew Timmy in the first half of the Zags-Michigan State game. So it's not a question if he's going to play. It's a question like, can he stay healthy, and can he stay on the floor? Because if he gets in foul trouble, um, we've seen it in these first two games. I mean, I don't know too much about the who Kentucky played the second game. I know they won comfortably. But the first game that uh, I was played, watching in Tower, they played a decent Duquesne team. Duquesne, that's what it was. Well, the first game I did watch against Howard, and the rebounding battle, I mean, the Kentucky won, but it was only by plus five. If Oscar's won, that's probably like plus 15. So if he's not on the uh, if he's not on the floor, then that rebounding margin, it gets a lot closer than what it probably should be if he was on the floor. Um, I, yeah, right now, it, it's kind of funny, too, because you look at our friends at KenPom.com. Uh, Kentucky, through two games, is the number one team still in KenPom. They are they have the number three defense and offense, um, which is kind of unique. And Ken Palm has Kentucky winning this game 74-66. I think what we've seen through from the Cats through two games is uh, the guy who's impressed me the most, Uganda Kingsley Onyesu. Um, he is baby Oscar Shibley. The only thing he doesn't have that Oscar has right now is the offensive game. He's not very good around the rim right now. But he blocks shots. He's a big, wide, strong body. Runs the floor really well for that size. Screens. He does all the stuff Oscar does, except for Oscar has developed that jump shot and ability to score around the rim. Um, if both of them play, I think Michigan State could be in for a long night. But I do think the key here is Kentucky has shooters on the floor now. We've seen Kaysan Wallace knock threes down. Jacob Toppin can hit the occasional. But the guys you got to watch out for – uh, Antonio Reeves and CJ Frederick are both shooting right around 50% each from three point land spread the floor out. I mean, this is a different Kentucky team through two games because they have the ability to get out, push the pace and hit threes in transition and in the half court Michigan state, in my opinion, has to lock this game down, make it gritty, get Kentucky in foul trouble. So let's go with some uh, official predictions here. Tyler, you're the guest. You'll be there live in person for this. Give us a score, some players that might stand out in this game, 
Let's hear it, man. Let me pull up my thing here. Let me pull up my thing. <laughs> oh, God, don't pull that thing out. You'll get a good <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, it's tough. It's, it's tough to make a prediction because of, you know, how well Michigan performed against uh, – Michigan State performed against Gonzaga. You know, the, their leading scorer is only averaging 10 and a half, but the, the A.J. Hoggard. But they're a balanced team. They always have been. They never had, like, a dynamic score under Izzo. Every, every once in a while you will, but they're more of a balanced team. You, you speak about Antonio Rivas. He's averaging 23 two, team, two games. As far as uh, experience and, you know, the play right now, Michigan State's got the upper end playing the Zags already, you know, playing a perennial powerhouse as we will now, but uh, I think Kentucky wins. I think they're going to touch the low 80s, and that's the only reason why I think Michigan isn't going to win because they can't get up there. They can't score the basketball as well as Kentucky does. So I'm going to say 82-71, Cats take it away, but it's going to be it's going to be a battle. It's going to get that spread towards the end of the game. It's not hey, going to get it. If Oscar does play, um, healthy, full health, whatever, if he plays, what do you think a, a stat line for him would be? If he's healthy, I mean, he, he'd go for, you know, 15 and 12. Like, he could be very solid. But uh, I think I think that's right. Yeah. I Depends on how they scheme him, too. If they, yeah. if they want to take him out, they can take him out. But what are they giving up now since Kentucky has the shooters? You got to pick your poison now. When that makes it dangerous, we've talked about it. Um, once Kentucky has shooters, we've seen it in a team that won the title in 2012. I mean, Deron Lamb, they had guys who could spread the floor. Um, so it's going to be interesting. Uh, Tyler goes with the Cats 80, would you say 82 71? Yeah. Yeah. 82 70. Peyton, your official prediction for this game. Uh, just real quick, just talking about, you know, keys for both teams. I'll go over that real quick. Michigan State, I think they got to open up the game, put pressure on Kentucky. Um, they got to throw the first haymaker because if they don't and Kentucky jumps them early, gets out to like an 8-2, 10-2 lead, I think Michigan State's going to have – uh, they're going to struggle to bring this game back. but So they got to throw the first hate maker. Uh, Kentucky's going to, like you mentioned, Josh, Kentucky's going to look out uh, or try to leak out and get in transition and get some buckets. Try to get C.J. Frederick and Tony Ruiz wide open for transition threes. So for Michigan State, you got to stay home on that. Uh, give up a two. Give up an alley-oop. That's fine. Three points is way more uh, than two points. So I'd rather give up two points than three. Um, and lastly, like I kind of mentioned already, but keep Oscar out of the game. Beat him up if he does play. If he doesn't, then you ain't got to worry about that. Uh, keep the rebounding margin close. That's my keys for Michigan State. For Kentucky, kind of the same thing. Dominate the, the glass. Win the rebounding battle, whether it's by plus 5 or plus 15. Just win the rebounding glass. Both teams are good rebounding teams as well. Uh, Wheeler, Savia Wheeler. Uh, he came back against Duquesne. I think it was his first game, correct, Josh? He didn't play in the Howard game. Yeah, yeah, it was back. Okay, he had so 11 he to, points, 11 assists, six boards. Jesus, what a sad line. Uh, he has to take care of the ball. He has to play at a controlled pace. Because if he's going balls to the walls for 40 minutes, he's going to turn the ball over, and it's not going to be good for him. Coach Gow is going to whip into him, and he probably will start playing in case of Wallace a lot more at the point than Savio Wheeler. So he has to play at a controlled place and take care of the ball. And lastly, his shots. If you hit threes, if you hit about seven threes plus, then Kentucky should be heavily favored in this game. 
Um, I think Kentucky wins 84-78. I think a lot of Michigan State, they did play very well against Gonzaga, but if you look at it, they was playing outside. Uh, shooting percentages when you're playing outside and playing inside is completely different. Both teams struggle from three. Um, I think Michigan State's going to be good, but I just don't think they're good enough to beat Kentucky. MVP, though, Casey Wallace. Ooh. Yeah, um, not a whole lot to add to that. I, I do think uh, Kentucky has to continue to hit threes. Uh, you watch Frederick and Reeves shoot, and it's automatic. It feels like every time they shoot. I'm looking at a guy like Jacob Toppin to – start playing to how he's not played bad. He's been okay, but he, I, I want to see him be that X factor. We all thought um, it, it's going to be interesting with Oscar and Onyesu, how they play. If they continue to play well like that, the long way around it, I do see multiple ways of victory for Kentucky. Cause I think they can play it and grind it out. If that's how Michigan state wants to try to play this game or gets it to, but also they can run out. So because of that, I've got Kentucky winning, I'm going to say that Michigan State keeps it close for about 30, 32 minutes. And that final eight, 10 minutes, Cats going like a, a 13 to one run, 13 to 13 three, whatever, going a nice little run to gap it and control the game. Um, if Oscar is healthy, I'm with Tyler. I think like a 15 and 12 night. We've seen him have these crazy 20 and 20 nights. I don't think he'll have that, but I've got Kentucky winning 85 70. I think they gap it, like I said, those last eight minutes. Um, 85-70, Kentucky wins. But let's go to the other one that night, Tyler. That's the one I, I got. Most I got excited. one more thing for you. Go ahead. There's a 100% chance I will get a Let's Go Peacocks chant going. Let's see it. Let's see it. That'd be, I mean, that'd actually be funny. Um, but the, the nightcap one, the late game, that's the one you're there mostly for, Tyler. Um, your boys, Kansas and Duke. We've seen Derek Lively the third or Derek Lively come back. He played his first action the other night. wasn't great off the bench, but he had to get his legs underneath him. Um, I'd expect bigger production and minutes out of him in this game. Doesn't sound like they're going to have Dark Whitehead for this game, so that's a big blow. Um, your boys have looked good through two games. Love watching Grady Dick play. I think he adds a different element. So let's hear it. Um, how are you feeling about this game? Keys. Uh, who wins? I'm excited about it. You know, I've been, I watched the first two games. I was kind of leery to see how we would function on offense without Ochai and Christian Braun gone, you know, especially McCormick, but uh, the kids still got their, still got their spunk. still got the step going, you know, Jalen Wilson's averaging 20 and 10 for the first two. Grady Dick has been something I've been wanting since Brady Morningstar left a Good white call. boy that could just shoot. Like I've been missing it. <laughs> But uh, he, he can get above the rim now. He can attack the rim. And uh, another kid that's going to surprise us maybe Tuesday and especially coming into the, the future is a freshman called uh, or MJ Rice. Super athletic kid out of North Carolina. Can fly. Got his first action the other night as the last game they played. Put in 10 points in a really quick fashion. You know, they're, they're guard heavy, which they haven't been in the past. They're not going to have Bill. But uh, well, they got to play small ball now, and as yeah. opposed to his too big, where he does the the um the seal inside duck in for a big man, big man to big man passing. They got to yeah. play small now. Yeah, they got KJ Adams who can who can do it. He's he's more of a firecracker than he is anything. He's a defensive anchor. He's not going to be scoring a lot, but trying to rip the boards down. Duke Duke's always Duke. You know they're always tough. Uh, like I said, those, that boy's going to be missing out, and the other one came back. I can't remember his name. but Derek Lively. De Derek Lively. He hasn't been 
as lively as you should be, you know. But uh, <laughs> they, it's going to be a fun one. It's the it's the premier matchup based on you know the rankings and the expectations this uh, this season. But I'm I'm thoroughly excited to watch this one. So who you got? I mean, I'm sure you're going Kansas, but give me a score here. Well, uh, let me see. The Tiki got up here. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Mentioned to me it's going to be a it's going to be a decent one. So I'm saying I'm going to go 79-60. Kansas oh. blows our okay. up, up in Indy because they know I'm coming. That's very close to my score line. <laughs> That's very um, close. I've got. I'm with you. Um, I think if Dark Whitehead plays in this game, he's not going to, it sounds like. But if he was healthy and everything fell in place for Duke, I think this is a very, very close contest. I still think it's going to be close. I think um, Duke's got to be able to control the tempo and hit threes. Kyle Filipowski, Jeremy Roach has got to be good, uh, Tyrese Proctor, all the new guys mix in with the veteran Jeremy Roach. They've got to be good. I think they've got to hit eight, nine threes in this game to keep Kansas honest. Um, but I think when it comes down to it, missing a guy like Dark Whitehead, uh, a lottery pick in the draft, it sounds like, I think that's such a huge blow playing a Kansas team that is playing with confidence, have looked good. Um, the backboards, we know self loves his team to get on the glass. I've got Kansas winning this one in a little tighter game. I think it could be ugly at times. Um just circumstances, I think it could be ugly with some foul troubles, missed shots, all that. But I do have Kansas winning this game. I've got them winning 75-71. I think Duke's good enough to hang around. I think this could be one of those spotlight games where a big-time freshman, Derek Lively, steps out of his shadow and plays to his expectations. But I think Kansas at the end has a little too much. 75-71 Jayhawks. Booyah. I think that Derek Lively is probably going to have a good game. I don't know if anybody from Kansas is going to be able to stop him from having a good game. Uh, but we're going to shut everyone else down. Dewan Harris, like, he's going to put, he needs to pressure the shit out of Jeremy Roach and Tyus Proctor. Uh, Tyus Proctor is supposed to be a senior in high school, and he didn't have the greatest first game. 0 for 6 from the field. He had two points, and that was from free throw line. Jeremy Roach did open up the season against Jacksonville, like 16 or 18 points. So he played well, but I'm like I said in last episode, I'm just not buying him having a big-time All-American type season this year. And Dewan Harris, I mean, to me, it's no debate. You can call me a homer or what, but this there's not a better on-ball defender in the country than Dewan Harris. Look what he did against Caleb Love last season. Caleb Love had multiple 30-point games in the tournament heading into that national championship game. And the first half, he played pretty well. If I remember correctly, I think Christian Brown was mostly guarding him the first half. And then Bill Self coming out of the second half switched Dewan Harris on him and completely shut him out. So Dewan Harris, best um, on-ball defender in the country, bar none. No one's even close. So he's going to have a good game. He's going to pressure the guards. And all the pressure is going to be on Deuce guards. Jeremy Roach, Tyrese Proctor, and Jacob Grandison. We'll see how they can do. We'll see how their backcourt can hold up. Because, like you guys mentioned, Kansas is going to play small ball. KJ Adams is going to be starting at the five. Um, we're going to be able to switch mostly one through five. And uh, we're going to be able to be a great uh, defense guarding the perimeter. And uh, we'll see how if they can hit enough shots, open this game up. 
if they do, uh, it might be closer than what I, me and Cooks probably be thinking about it, but I just don't think so. Kansas is going to win 77-65. I do have co-MVPs, though, because mm. I think you can go either way. I think if you're going to talk about MVP-wise when it comes to, like, points and production, then I'll give the edge, I'll give the edge to Grady Dick. But if you're talking about just dominating the game and being the most important player in the game, I'm going with Dwan Harris. I think that's fair. Um, Tyler, I know we ain't got you much longer. Uh, we ain't got much longer in the show, so let's do some rapid fire. We've got, I mean, week one, as bad as it was, week two's picking up the slack because mm-hmm. we got Champions Class that we just went over. Let's do some rapid fire, just predictions here. On Wednesday night, we've got number two, Gonzaga, at number 12, Texas. Chris Beard's defensive-minded team against Gonzaga with their high-powered offense. We talked about it with Will before you came on. Gonzaga, when they won that game, did not look great. They need help around Timmy. So how do you see a fellow Big 12 opponent at home getting against Gonzaga? Who wins this game? Hook them horns, baby. Hook them horns. They're going to come and get that ass. Gonzaga just came off that tight game against Sparty. I don't think they have back-to-back this early in the season. They're not used to that because people won't play them. Now people are playing them. They're going to get smacked in the mouth back-to-back, and Texas is going to get them. Uh, You got a score on that one? Close. I'd say I'd say seventy to sixty six. I've got Gonzaga winning this one. Um, as much as we love Texas, and I do think it's close. I got Gonzaga. I just think when you have a guy like Drew yeah. Timmy, like we saw against Michigan State, he's going to find a way, whether to put back or whatever. I've got Gonzaga winning this one in a very entertaining midweek clash. I've got them winning this one. 82 to 80. Um, It's going to go down to the wire, but I got, it's hard to bet against Gonzaga. I know it's on the road, but they got Drew Timmy and Texas doesn't. Yeah. They got Drew Timmy and he just wins. I mean, his record overall, his last four years at Gonzaga is just incredible, but I got Texas winning 84, 80, very close with your scoreline, Josh, but I just think Texas is going to win. It really comes down to who's going to be the second best player on the floor. Cause I think Drew Timmy is going to be the best player on the floor. Um, if Gonzaga, can Julian Schaller be the second best, or can Marcus Carr or Dylan Mitchell be the second best player on the floor? Uh, I think it's going to be Marcus Carr. If not, it's going to be Dylan Mitchell. It's going to be summer for Texas. Texas gets the job done. And it's going to be two years in a row that Texas and Gonzaga has played. And Texas better get used to Gonzaga, because if Gonzaga moves to the Big 12, then that's going to be a matchup every well, single year. Bring no, it won't. Te- Texas is moving to the SEC. No, it won't. Oh, shit. Well, fuck. I forgot <laughs> Um, real quick, we got a trio of ex- outstanding games on Friday evening. We got number 13, Indiana at Xavier. Um, the Hoosiers looking pretty good through two games. Still want to see more offensive production, but the freshman Malik Renault has looked outstanding. Um, spelling minutes for Trace Jackson Davis, a little different player than Trace. But they go to Xavier. Not going to be an easy game. Sean Miller's got a ball club. A lot of people love inside the Big East. Tyler, who wins this game? I'm going with the Hoosiers. You know, like you talked about them having Timmy and Texas not. IU's got TJD. Xavier doesn't. You know, he's a hell of a player down there on the block. I don't think anybody can stop him on Xavier's roster. I think IU goes over there and handles business. Probably be a five-point spread. I'd say 75-70. We'll keep it, we'll keep it simple. Peyton? Uh, Indiana does have TJD, but they also need to hit free throws and hit three-point shots consistently. They did it last game against uh, Bethune-Cookman. Uh, I think that's who it was. Yeah, um, Bethune-Cookman. Bethune-Cookman. But can they do it on the road in a tough environment at Xavier? I don't think they can do it. Xavier wins 78-73. 
I, I'm with Cook. I got Indiana. Um, it doesn't matter. I mean, it will matter. They got to hit shots, but their defense is so elite right now. It was last year. It is again this year. Um, I love the freshmen. We've talked about them all offseason. Um, I, I think Indi- it's going to be a low-scoring game, I believe, and Indiana keeps Xavier under 60 points. I think they win like 64 56 um, might not be the prettiest game, but I think Indiana's defense is just too much for Xavier right now. Um, also on Friday night, number 18, Virginia at number five, Baylor. And I'll just put oh it this God. way. I think the first team to 65 wins this game. Tyler, who you got winning? You know, Virginia is always a defensive team. They have everyone said for since they went back, got that championship. But uh, I don't know, man, this is, this is a, this is a hard one to pick. You know, I, I'm going to give the, the hat to, to Baylor just because they're at home. Uh, they're both Baylor's explosive on the offensive end, but Virginia is always hard nosed defense. I'm gonna give the I'm gonna give the edge to Baylor's instead. The first to 65, I'm gonna say 65, 63, Baylor. I, I'm with you, Peyton. I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm no, with you. Um, Virginia's defense, obviously great, but Baylor's too much, and we learned a long time ago. Stop doubting Scott Drew because mm-hmm. that dude is one of the best coaches in the country. He's got another team to make a Final Four, even win the damn title. They've got stud freshman Keontae George. Um, I, I like this Baylor team, and being home is going to play a factor. I think they win 70 to 60. I think it's a 10-point spread. Uh, just an update. This game's not at home. This game's in Las Vegas. Oh, I, I read that wrong. I'm sorry. It, but yeah. still, I've still got Baylor. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I agree. I still think what everything, the settlements you just talked about, I think it stays true. Um, these two teams are – in the running for potential Final Four candidates. I mean, I think both of these teams can be... Uh, this could be a Final Four matchup when we can head to March. Both of these teams are really talented. I do like Virginia. I do like Jaden Gardner and Kia Clark and Reese Beekman, what they got going down there. Um, I just think Baylor's too tough, and they got the best backcourt in the country, in my opinion. Flagler, Cryer, and Keontae George. That's a dominant trio, especially the backcourt. So, I think Baylor's going to win 75-69 in a close one. And then the other one on Friday night, also out in Las Vegas, we've got Illinois, number 23 Illinois, playing number eight UCLA. That's going to be an interesting one. Um, Man, Phil's not on. By the way, we forgot to mention Phil's not on. Apparently, he's under the weather, so we hope he gets better. Eventually, this motherfucker is going to be back on the show. Eventually. (laughs) But um, his his boys have looked good. Dane Deja – is it Dane Donja? Dane Donja. Uh, it's one of those two. Dane Donja, Coleman Hawkins, tremendous. We know how good UCLA is. Tyler, I think this could be a, an explosive high-scoring game. Oh, yeah. I haven't got to follow much of them visually, but I've been checking scores and stuff, and they both can put up points. They both can shoot, throw it through the net pretty easily. Uh, I don't have a, a thing to throw in the hat on this. I'm kind of unbiased on this one, which is very rare. I don't I don't follow either one of them. I'm neutral on either one of them, but I'd like to see UCLA to get back to where they used to be, you know, so many years ago. Hopefully this could be a, a springboard for them just to have a good season. So hopefully they can go in there and knock off Illinois. Just shot in the dark, I'd say, let's say 84, uh, 89, UCLA goes out and puts up some points and wins the game. Yeah, I think this is going to be good. And Peyton, score prediction? I got UCLA winning 81-75. Illinois is going to be really good this year, but there's a reason UCLA is ranked top 10 in the preseason. I mean, Jaime Hawkins Jr., he's healthy now. Last year in the tournament, he had some ankle problems, um, wasn't as good. Uh, but that's that's all healed up. He's healthy, and Tiger Campbell is going to be a difference maker. UCLA wins. 
I'll go against the grain on this one. I, I think this is going to be an explosive game. Um, I, I like what I've seen, the bits and pieces of Illinois this year early on. Um, and I, I just think this is one of those games that they can grind it out and it's going to be high scoring. Uh, I'll go Illinois 95, UCLA 90. Uh, I think it's going to be a banger of a game out in the West Coast on Friday evening. Tyler, before we let you get out of here with predictions, um, I'm going to throw a bonus one real quick because I know we're running out of time here on the show today. Uh, the game we're going to on Tuesday, we're going to watch Purdue play host to Marquette and part of the Gavit games, the Big Ten Big East Challenge. Um, anything on that one? No, I, I don't think Marquette has anything for Purdue coming into it. You know, they've been – I know GRO would say fire painter regardless whatever happens, but uh, – <laughs> Purdue's tough. I mean, I hate to say it, but they, they've been tough for a long time now. They're not over that hump of, you know, Final Four championship team, but they're always a contender to go deep in the tournament here lately. I, I, I think Purdue wins it. You guys are going to have a fun game to watch, especially at Mackey. That's a place I'd like to go to myself. It's on the bucket list. But uh, that's going to be a good one for you guys to go check out live at Purdue, and I think Purdue is going to uh, impress you guys and get a big win. Well, the thing that stuck out to me is Purdue's defense through two games looks a hell of a lot better. I know they struggled a little bit there with Austin P, but they still won by almost 20. And, um, or maybe they did win by 20. But um, I think the two things that stand out, Purdue's defense is back, and they've got dudes who know how to play and snipe the ball. Brandon Newman's looked great finally. Um, Fletcher Lawyers, I mean, his shot so money. One of the absolute best shooters in college basketball. Um, they've got dudes this year. And I know this sounds crazy because this team last year was the number one ranked team in the country. They were explosive. They should have made a final four in all reality. And they, I know they got beaten the sweet 16. I think this team might be a better overall team. Zach Eady went for 30 points the other night against Austin P. You don't find too many seven foot, five inch, 280 pound dudes who look and play like him in basketball period. I think it's too much for Marquette. I've got Purdue putting the clamps on Marquette for the second half especially. I think we're in for a fun one, but I think Purdue is really good, undervalued, and underappreciated. I think Purdue wins this game like 72-57. Oh, yeah. Yep. I agree with that statement. You know, the difference maker, like you mentioned, is uh, Purdue's defense. I mean, if you look at it, comparing the two, I mean, Marquette in two games has gave up 71, an average 71 points per game. Purdue's given up under 50, 48.5. That's the difference maker. Plus, Purdue's guards, especially in that game against uh, Milwaukee, I noticed, uh, they got, the guards are just big. I mean, they're built to take punishment with guys like Ethan Morton, Brandon Newman. And uh, Lawyer just knocking down shots. I mean, it's a tough Purdue team. And Zach Eady, if he gets the ball down in the paint, good luck stopping him. Do you have a – or you said the score, didn't you? Uh, I didn't, but I think it's going to be 78 to about 59, somewhere in that margin. Yeah, yeah. I, I think Purdue's undervalued right now. And their schedule gets tough, too, coming up. They got a potential on that PK – or the Phil Knight Classic here in a couple weeks – they could play Gonzaga and Duke on back-to-back nights because they're in the same side of the bracket. So that could be very interesting. We'll find out a lot about Purdue coming up. And they still – I know Florida State's 0-2 and sucks, but, um, you know, they still got to go at Florida State for the Big Ten ACC. So we're going to find out a lot about Purdue, but I like what I see through two games. But before we start wrapping this up, um, Tyler, it's obviously always great to have you back. You know, we spent years building this brand with you. So anytime that you can hop back on and – Chat it up with us. It's always a good day, my friend. For sure. Uh, anything you want to say before you get out of here? 
No, I mean, it's, I, I like the graphics of the, of the new design here. You got, got the ticker on the bottom, getting everything looking fresh and official. You know, I'm excited for the partnership that you got going on with the, with the house of hoops thing going on, you know, got me a little, got me a little kickback on my ticket. So I'll appreciate all supports there. Uh, you know, you got your thing downtown with the, uh, the nutrition, uh, chick. I can't remember what that, what's that called? Beauty and nutrition or something like that. Beauty and the beast. Beauty yeah. and the beast. That's pretty cool. You got going on there. You know, I'm just excited for what you guys got going on. Anytime I can, I'll hop on. Well, you're all, you know, the deal. You're always welcome on anytime you want to hop on with us. Uh, hey, did you get your magazine? Did no, I didn't one? yet. Well, you need to go get one. I'm that's the yeah, that's the best college basketball like to get you ready. Um, but no, obviously Tyler, you know, lifelong friends and uh, always welcome on. You kind of help build this with us. So oh, yeah. you have the open invite anytime you want. Just hop on with us. I will. Just shoot me the invite. I'll sporadically hop on, piss you off with some predictions, and get out of here. <laughs> oh my god! Wham bam! Thank you, man. Well. Cook, it's good seeing you again, and we appreciate the time today. Um, have fun at the Champions Classic. Hope you can get us yep. some um, some cool content to help out for the shows and all that good stuff. But uh, oh yeah, it, we appreciate you, your time today, and uh, we'll catch up soon. Absolutely. Rock chalk. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Tyler Cook back on the show again today. It's always a great time having him on with us, Peyton. Let's start wrapping this thing up. It's been a great show today. Obviously, like I said, hopefully Phil and Corey can eventually get back on, but we're holding the fort down in the meantime. Um, let's let's go to our bank on it. Um, I'll let you take first volley. As you can see on the screen here, we've got the nice little cool-ass graphic for this year to keep track. Neither one of us hit our bank on it last week. I had I, I was close. close. UNC, oh, I was close, UNC too. Greensboro, UNC Greensboro was up on Miami and gave them a game until the Hurricanes pulled away late. Um, so oh and one on the year. Um, yours was uh, Southern Indiana, Missouri, right? Yeah, Missouri only won ninety seven to ninety one. They gave up over ninety points. That's ridiculous. That just shows how bad they are. Yeah. Um, so let's go into this week. Um, like I said, hopefully Phil's on and we can change his O around. But um, Peyton, I'll lead off on this one. Um, I'm going with a. It'd be like a betting parlay. Okay. So. It's not one. I'm combining the three. So my bank on it this week, put it money in the bank. It's coming true. The big games this week, Kentucky beats Michigan State, Indiana over Xavier, Illinois over UCLA. All three of mine, Phil, Corey slash Johnny, all three of our teams, or I guess all four of us, all of our teams are winning this week and winning convincingly. Kentucky, Indiana, Illinois, all win big games this week. All make a statement in week two of college basketball. Take it to the bank. That's my bank on it for week two. So you said win convincingly. Like, what is that? Well, it doesn't necessarily mean the scoreline. I'm not saying they're going to win by 15-20. I'm going to say they just kind of dominate the tempo and flow of the game. Uh, They just win the game. Yeah. Well, not just win. I'm saying they look good, and it's convincingly. Even if it's close, shit can happen. I'm saying that all three teams throughout the course of the game, you look at these teams play and you're like, oh, yeah, they're the better side. Okay, I get you. Um, my bank on it is, and one of them is pretty much all you're given, but I'm going to say it anyways. Three teams inside the top ten were taking L this week. 
I'm already guaranteeing one with the Kansas Duke. So either way, that's going to be one top team team taking an L this week. Um, there's some other top ten. You know, Kentucky you're taking L to Michigan State. Uh, UCLA can take an L to Illinois. Just there's a multitude of top ten. You know, Baylor could take an L to Virginia. There's a lot of good options out there. I'm seeing three top ten teams taking L this week. Bank on it. I like it. I like it. Get the craziness going. Week two is a better slate of games. Peyton, uh, shout outs. I'll let you take first volley on this because we need to get out of here because Lau's already scored and Milan's up 1-0. Son of a bitch. My number one shout out is Amani Bates from Eastern Michigan. This dude had 30 points, 5 rebounds, 12 and 19 from the field, 3 of 6 on a 3-point line. He was looking like the kid that we all saw at the Nike RBL about 4 years ago. I mean, this kid was just phenomenal. He had some tough buckets. Eastern Michigan ended up taking the L, 88 to 83. But they kept it close, and they wouldn't have kept it close if it wasn't for uh, what Amani Bates did in this game. So shout out to him. Talking about this game, though, another player on the opposite side, Hunter Dickinson from Michigan. 31 points, 7 rebounds, 13 to 17 from the field. When he gets the ball down in the paint, he just dominates. He's a big body. He can shut it out, hit some shots, too. Um, he had a fantastic game, and he really carried the load for Michigan, especially down the stretch. Uh, my last shout-out, Garrett Tipton from Bellarmine. 21 points, 3 rebounds, a career high, and a side shout-out goes to Justin Bass for being smart as hell and throwing the ball halfway across the damn uh, oh, court. Brilliant. Just brilliant in the mind, just came up with a big-time play there and ended up winning the game. So shout-out to all, th- all four, all, all three of my shout-outs, including the side shout-out to Justin Bass from Bellarmine. Well, my first shout-out is going to be a backhanded shout-out because I'm shouting out IUPUI Jaguars for probably being the worst team in Division One, <laughs> They're ranked 363 in offense, 353 in defense. They got beat by Iowa State, 88-39. They got beat by Drake, 80-48. to They've not cracked 50 points yet this season. If you remember last year, they didn't even have enough scholarship players. They were hosting open walkout try- or walk-on tryouts. Um, they're just a mess. They're, they're so bad. And... Um, it's a long fall from the days about 20 years ago when Ron Hunter had him in the NCAA tournament. So shout out kind of backhandedly to IEPY for being just booty cheeks. <laughs> Do you uh, think if we could put a, put, a, put together a team of myself, you, Cook, uh, Phil, Coy, and Will, you think we can beat them? I think we'd keep it close. I mean, <laughs> I, think, I, I don't know if we'd beat them because we're all kind of out of shape and we're not 6'5 and all that, but – I think we keep it close. I think we could shoot the ball. Yeah, I do think that. We'll probably take about 40 threes. <laughs> we, would, we would Syracuse zone it and just say, fuck it. We're just launching the ball. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, my other shout-outs, I, I, it's a good week to be a lawyer because uh, Fletcher, lawyer from Purdue, sniping the ball from three, and his brother, the transfer from Michigan State, now Davidson, Foster, lawyer, 38 points. They end up losing the game. Uh, who was it that they played? They had that big game. Um, let me look it up. I just escaped my mind. Oh, um, uh, shoot. Why can't I think? I'm pulling it up. Uh, Again, it's uh, – no. Was it the right state? Or whoever it was. Maybe he doesn't play for Davis. I forget. But, anyways, it's a good day to be lawyers because both of them are just sniping the ball, scoring the ball right now. And good on them. Uh, the brothers, it's always nice seeing family members, you know, lighten it up. And then my other one is a shout out to a trio of Kentucky players. 
Yogana Kingsley Onyesu, mentioned him. He's way better than any of us thought he would be. Shout out to the two Kentucky snipers, C.J. Frederick and Tony Reeves, for just absolutely blistering the nets and getting their shots off quick, having pretty forms. So those are my three shout outs of the week. Peyton, wrapping today's show up, uh, trying to keep it just a little under 90 minutes here. Another tremendous show. So grateful college basketball is back. Even though week one didn't have the greatest slate of games, we watched a ton of them. This week, though, is the week where, as uh, old JR would say, business is picking up. <laughs> My God, business is picking up. My God. Uh, week two is going to be tremendous. Happy college basketball is back. Um, happy Will came on and joined us. We'll have continued more. Him and Tyler will have more guests as the year progresses. Some old favorites, some new ones. Hopefully we get some of the Road to the Garden guys over. Some more from our House of College Hoops people on. And I'm just grateful, man. I'm happy it's back. Watched a lot of games this week. And uh, week two is going to be fireworks. And think about this. When we get on for next week, episode 122, we'll get a preview Gonzaga, Kentucky, because that's that same day. And I can't wait. Jesus. Dude, we're blessed. Last week, or this, the first week of college basketball, we had some upsets, some buzzer beaters, like we talked about earlier, but it wasn't really too many. Besides Michigan State and Zaga, that was really the only marquee matchup of the week. This week, we're blessed with a multitude of top 25 matchups. Very intense, uh, high-level basketball is going to be played this week, and I can't wait. I can't wait for Tuesday when myself and you go to that Purdue-Marquette game. Uh, hopefully, Cook has a good time with the Champions Classic game, and hopefully next week we can get Phil's cocksucking ass on the show and uh, have him back on. Um, but... If not, then it is what it is. Me and you will keep holding the fort until they want to come to work. But yeah. we'll have a good show either way. And uh, I'll tell you what, college basketball is back, and this week is going to be straight fire. Absolutely. Fiorentina just leveled it 30 minutes, by the way, so that sucks. Um, yeah, go follow all of our stuff. If you're not part of the Facebook group, go to facebook.com slash group slash everything college basketball. Follow us on Twitter at ECB Podcast 10. Follow all of our other people from the House Enterprise Network. Will mentioned his. Go follow the House College Hoops on Twitter. Go read the articles. We've got a great team over there writing various different articles. I just wrote one myself that's up on the website right now about Keontae George. By the way, he's my other shout out. Not Keontae George. Keontae Johnson from Kansas State. I wrote an article. Go read it. The best story in college basketball this year. So happy to have him back and playing and healthy and being great like he was at Florida. Go check all of our people out. and Go check out our sponsors, Beauty Beast Nutrition, if you're located here in Indiana or passing through. Tell me ECB sent you for 10% off your entire purchase. And... Just enjoy college basketball, guys. Um, we'll have you covered from wall to wall between ECB and the House of College Hoops. We'll have you covered all across the land. Articles, podcasts, videos, live reports, everything under the sun that you can want for college basketball. Heading into week two with a bunch of big-time top 25 clashes. I can't wait. For Phil, who's not here, for Corey, and for Peyton, I've been your host, Josh Burton. We hope you have a great rest of your week, and we will catch you down the road. See you guys.